you want to turn with me to John 20, we're going to start with verse 1, and that's on page 1685, if you're using one of our pew Bibles. John 20, 1685 is the page number, and we'll get to that shortly. Have you ever wanted something to go away, and it won't? <laughs> that stray cat that keeps finding its way onto your property, and you keep not feeding it because you know if you do, it'll, it'll stay. <laughs> Those weeds that keep popping up in your yard that you want to get rid of or in your flower bed. A nagging headache or... Or, or, or pain or ache that just, no matter what you do, it just seems to be there. Or an annoying person. <laughs> just won't go away. Well, Jesus was an annoying person to the religious leaders of his day. And they desperately wanted him to go away. His power and influence, his popularity seemed to be growing by leaps and bounds, and, and they needed him gone. And so they conspired together with one of his disciples to betray him, to arrest him, to put him through a series of mock trials. But the verdict had already been decided. Jesus was guilty and needed to die. And even though Pilate was convinced that he was innocent of any crime deserving of such a harsh penalty, he wanted to placate the religious leaders. So he washed his hands of Jesus and had him crucified. About nine o'clock on Friday morning, Jesus was nailed to the cross. And for six hours, he suffered unimaginable pain until finally he was able to look up to heaven and with a prayer release his spirit into the hands of his heavenly father. And he died. Jesus was gone. The Romans breathed a sigh of relief that this Jewish troublemaker was out of the way. The Jewish leaders quietly rejoiced that Jesus would no longer threaten their hold over the people. Just to make sure that Jesus was gone, the Romans punctured his side with a long spear point that would go not only through his rib cage, but through a lung and into his heart to make sure he was dead. Then he was laid in a tomb, and a large stone weighing hundreds of pounds was rolled over the entrance. And even then, there was a bit of anxiety among the Jewish leaders because he said he would rise again. So they convinced Pilate to seal the tomb and post a guard. Jesus was gone, and they wanted him to stay that way. You know, about this time of year, a number of other ideas emerge. There have been various theories to explain the empty tomb other than the resurrection. People who don't want to believe go to great lengths to explain why they don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. 
One of them is the wrong tomb theory. They said the women on Sunday morning, uh, they had been so distraught on Friday when they put Jesus in the tomb that they forgot which one. There were a number of tombs in the area and they stumbled upon one that hadn't been used yet. And the stone was rolled back and of course there was no body in there and they just went to the wrong tomb. Could make sense except for the fact that when they went into the tomb, they found the bloody cloth that had been wrapped around his body. Why would there be bloody cloths in a tomb that was unused? Why would there be a Roman seal on a tomb that was unused? That theory makes no sense. What do we call something that makes no sense? Nonsense. <laughs> Another theory is, of course, the disciples stole the body. Jesus said he would rise. We got to make that happen, boys. So let's sneak in there at night and get him. The only problem is that in the garden when he was arrested, what did the, what did the disciples do? Ran away. While Jesus was being tried and crucified, where were all the disciples? They stayed away. And so we're to think that suddenly, by Sunday morning, they have been emboldened to the point that now we're going to sneak in there, we're going to take on a Roman guard, and we are going to break Jesus out of the tomb. Those who were too afraid to even stand there and watch him die. We're not about to steal his body from the tomb. And besides that, what happened afterward? They went everywhere proclaiming his resurrection. And if you read about all the traditions of what happened to the apostles, nearly every one of them, except John, suffered terribly. They were martyred. They were executed for their faith. If you had stolen the body of Jesus and hid it somewhere, why would you die for that? Why would you die for a lie? Because you're dying for nothing. You know what that theory is? Nonsense. Makes no sense. And here's my favorite one. The survival theory. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He went into a coma and his pulse rate was so low that it was undetectable. So he appeared to be dead. So they took a living Jesus down, laid him in the tomb, rolled the rock in front of it, and while he lay there during that time, he revived with absolutely no medical attention whatsoever. Oh, didn't I mention earlier that they took a spear and ran it through his rib cage, threw a lung and into his heart? You know why they do that? Do you know why they took that particular angle and pierced him that way? Because it's an absolutely 100% fatal blow. No one could survive that. Let alone, no one ever survived crucifixion. The reason they devised it the way they did is because it has a 100% success rate. You want someone dead, you crucify them, they die. And not only did he revive, but from the inside of the tomb, he managed to roll back a several hundred pound stone and walk out past Roman guards. Wouldn't that have been fun? 
See you later, boys. Do you want to know what that theory is? That's nonsense. That's, that's, that's the most nonsensical of all, that he could have done that. But, but those who, who say that those who choose not to believe will go to such great lengths to try to prove their unbelief. <laughs> when the answer is in front of us, there's only one explanation that makes sense. Just like that stray cat we talked about. Just like those weeds in your yard. Just like that nagging ache or pain. Just like that annoying person that won't go away and keeps coming back. Jesus came back. I want to read the story from the scripture and then I have a video clip I want to show you. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of cloth lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Lady, I believe your son is the promised king it. of his people. What is his name? It's supposed to be disc four. Disc four. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll show it to you in a minute. Maybe we'll show it at the end. You know the old saying, you can't keep a good man down? Well, that's especially true of the Son of God. You can't keep him down. All the forces of evil had come together against him, both human and spiritual. The Jewish authorities, the Roman authorities, Satan himself, and they conspired to make Jesus go away. But why does it matter so much that he didn't? Why is the resurrection so important? There are those who may even concede, okay, Jesus rose from the dead. But so what? That was 2,000 years ago. What does that mean to me? How does that affect my life today? Well, I want to give you two reasons why I think the resurrection is a game changer of our lives. First, it validates the teachings and the promises of Jesus. Everything Jesus said, the authority with which he spoke, 
and the authority that backs up the promises he made rested upon his claim to be the Son of God. So if he wasn't, then it's all meaningless. None of his teachings have the value that we think they do. None of his promises mean anything because they don't have the power behind them that he claimed to have. The resurrection determines whether his life, his ministry, has any meaning beyond history. The Apostle Paul agrees in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. <laughs> and that's pretty much the attitude of the world in which we live. We don't believe in a risen Jesus, therefore let's just live our lives however we choose. Let's get as much happiness and pleasure out of this life as we can, and when we're gone, we're gone and that's it. There's nothing else. Or is there? If Jesus is raised from the dead, then every word he taught is true. And every promise he made is sure. Because he has the authority of God. He has the power of God. If indeed he rose again. I do not believe in Jesus because he was a good man. I have not dedicated my life to the service of one who is simply a great teacher or a great moral leader. There is only one reason I am a Christian and one reason I have dedicated my life to the service of Jesus Christ and it's because he lives. I serve a risen Savior. I don't serve a dead man. And that's the thing that distinguishes our faith from every other faith. You know, people want to say every religion's the same. They all point to the same God. It doesn't matter, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, whatever you want. They're all the same and they all go point to the same place. No, they do not. Every other religion serves a dead prophet. I serve a risen Savior whose word is true because he lives whose promises are sure because he lives. When I talk to a Mormon and they want to start talking to me about Joseph Smith, I say, I don't really know anything about Joseph Smith other than this. He's dead. <laughs> and I don't know that anything he said is true. But let me show you the words of one who lives. They usually leave at that point. <laughs> Second reason the resurrection of Jesus matters to us today is because it gives us a reason for hope in the most hopeless of situations. And for most of us, the most hopeless situation we can think of is when a loved one, a dear friend, or even ourselves are facing death. We feel powerless. We feel hopeless to do anything. 
And it is a hopeless situation if Jesus is still dead. If even he couldn't conquer death, then what hope do we have? But he did. Jesus stood before another tomb before he went into his own tomb of Lazarus. And Mary and Martha met him on the road and they lamented the fact, if you'd been here, if only you'd been here, things would be different. He wouldn't be dead. We know you can heal the sick. You could have healed him. But he's been dead four days. It's hopeless. It's too late. Oh, were they wrong. Jesus looked at them with what had to be a bit of a twinkle in his eye. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What a, what a declaration. Who could say such a thing? Other than the one who would prove his authority to say it. Not only by raising Lazarus, but by himself raising short time later. After Jesus spoke those words to Mary and Martha, he asked a question. And it's the same question that falls to each and every one of us every time we celebrate Easter. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? I often wonder what would happen if Mary and Martha had looked at him, had dropped their head, had shaken their head and say, no, we don't believe that. We think it's too late. Would Jesus have turned and walked away? Would the miracle of Lazarus rising ever happen? I don't know. But I thank God that wasn't their answer. I believe it was Martha who looked at him and said, I believe you are the Son of God. And even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She chose to believe even when it seemed impossible to believe. Even in the midst of her grief, she found a reason to hope. Because she stood in the presence of one who she believed to be more than a man. Who she believed to be God. And Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And then he himself rose from the dead. He who was gone came back. Someone else. You think I'm mad? 
Peter, see the tomb for yourself. Please. Now, do you believe me? But he's gone. Gone? No. He's back. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you that even though the world declared you dead and gone, you chose another verdict, alive and well. Jesus rose from the dead, not only to restore his own life and his place beside you at your right hand, but he rose so that his promise of life would be sure. He proved once and for all that he is the resurrection and the life, not only for himself, but for all who will believe and put their hope and trust in him. Father, we come together today on this Easter Sunday to declare that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And because he lives, we know we too shall live. And all God's people say, Christ is risen. Amen. Amen.